Slava Slava Glory be to Jesus Christ. Glory be forever. This is Father Basil again doing another podcast on this uh, October day. Nice day outside, fall day. And I'm going to uh, continue reading from this book, Light for Life, Part 3, The Mystery Live from God With Us Publications. And we're talking about the stages of spiritual life in our tradition. Spiritual writers in the Eastern Christian tradition continue to develop the notion that there are stages or dimensions to the spiritual life, focusing increasingly on the inner life. St. Basil the Great, for example, distinguishes between those who are beginners, those who are experienced, and those who are proficient in the Christian life. Diodocus the, of Voltaic mentions these three types of Christians. The Esagogagas, introduced or approaching, who is mainly concerned with keeping the commandments, praxis. The Mesos, a middle one, to whom contemplation, theoria, and the suppression of passions, apathia, are particularly suitable. At last, the teleosis, or teleos, are perfect, who is qualified for the true experiential knowledge of God, theolog- theologia. Different authors have come up with their own designations, some of which can be summarized from the following. So St. Paul said that the first stage is children, body, second stage is adolescent, mind, soul, and the third stage is adult, spirit, heart. Basil the Great said that there is beginners, experienced, and proficient. Gregory of Nyssa said the first stage is purification, second stage is illumination, the third stage is perfection. John Climacus said the first stage is renunciation of earthly things, the second stage is root out vices and acquire virtue, and the third stage is the perfect life. John Cassian said the first stage is servile fear, the second stage is mercenary hope, and the third stage is filial love. Isaac the Syrian said the first stage is work, the outer person serves at what is good. The second stage is transition, the loss of control. And the third stage is peace, infused contemplation of God. Maximus the Confessor says the first stage is praxis, third stage, a second stage is theoria physica, and the third stage is theologia. Simeon the New Theologian says the first stage is practical, Second stage is Gnostic, and the third stage is theological. And Nicholas Kibicellus says the first stage is baptism, second stage is chrismation, and the third stage is Eucharist. Different authors often ascribe the same particular aspect to different stages. This is because we do not progress mechanically from one stage to another, In our spiritual life, we may progress from beginner to advanced, but our response to the circumstance of life may return us to an earlier level of maturity, not only once, but several times. 
even at the physical level, there is not an automatic progression from childhood to adulthood. Sometimes as adults, we act childlessly and immature. Sometimes this is acceptable, as in recreation and play, at other times it is not. Spiritual maturity is not automatically concomitant with physical maturity. As a matter of fact, growth in the spirit is not usually parallel with chronological growth. Many remain infants their whole life long. In any case, progress in the spiritual life is not the result of human effort, but rather of the work of the human spirit. It is not achieved through specific measures or the positive exercising of a person's will. It is the fruit and outcome of the uncreated grace of God. These stages of spiritual perfection naturally develop in those people who cooperate and respond to the energy of divine grace. In the following chapters, we are going to examine each stage briefly to give you an example of the potential for spiritual growth in the Christian life. This is not meant to propose a standard against which we should measure ourselves. You will find traits of each stage in yourself. This is normal, for hopefully we are living, growing, and changing. We function at all three levels, but will tend to be centered at one of them. In any case, it is better to let one spiritual guide do the discerning. We certainly must not attempt to analyze or judge the spiritual growth of others. The basic question is, are we committed to growing? Are we using our freedom to become what God intends? If we are created in Him, His image and are to grow in His likeness, then we are meant to become more authentically God-like. Unfortunately, many of us are content to stay at the most basic stage. We feel pity at seeing a mentally retarded adult, yet think it is normal to be spiritually retarded as adults. A lack of desire to grow in spiritual maturity chokes Christian communities as well and converts parishes into giant playpens. The most authentic outward manifestation that spiritual growth is occurring is when we love as God loves. Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten by God and knows God. God is love. And whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. This is a sign that the person is allowing the Spirit of God to work within him. The person is becoming more manifestly loving, God-like. This is the ultimate criterion of Christian life and morality. The Christian life as something analogous to natural life which the New Testament epistles and many Eastern Fathers support, has some parallels with modern psychological theories of human development. These ideas, which many think of as originating in our own time, in many ways simply reflect the ancient wisdom of the great fathers and mothers of the Church. But while we can point to many similarities between how saints and psychologists think, it would be a mistake to think that the two ways of thought are identical. In fact, there are some fundamental differences that make Christianity absolutely different from any philosophy or science. 
It is necessary to conclude this chapter by pointing out in what way our faith diverges from other ways of thinking about spiritual growth. <clears throat> no matter how much we grow and change, physically, emotionally, intellectually, spiritually, we know in our heart of hearts that we remain somehow the same. From conception to old age, it is the same person who is there at the beginning in the womb and at the end, aged and bent under the weight of years. There is something in us that remains immune from change, some essential part of us that is beyond the reach of time. The philosophical foundations of psychology are basically materialist. At best, the science of psychology is agnostic about the ontological existence of the soul or spirit. While it may recognize an unchanging person behind all the changes in my physical and mental makeup, science can only suggest to that person ways of keeping up with these changes. For a psychologist, childhood is obviously a stage to be left behind. As the body grows up, the mind and emotions must follow suit. As my body ages, my thought, attitudes and emotions need to be those of an older person. I should not behave like a 15-year-old in my 50s. Why? Because the 15-year-old is gone forever. Science, unredeemed by faith, can do no more than reconcile us to the natural processes of aging and death. The gospel is radically different. Christ asks us to be reconciled to the supernatural gift of life. In him... The changeless and eternal Son of the Father has come into the world. He has become subject to change, to deliver us from the corruption which eats away at everything we do and touch. And he does this by pouring out his spirit of adoption, through which we become children of God. In the Holy Spirit, being a spiritual child is not a mere phase. It is an eternal and life-giving way of being. In the epistles, being a child is often associated with the idea of childlessness or child, childishness. The Gospels often take a different tack. Several times, Christ pointed the children as, as, as his ideal followers. For example, from the Gospel of Matthew. At that time, the disciples approached Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself and becomes like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. While we are to rise above our childishness through growth and stages, we should always return to, ideally, we should never leave behind our childlikeness. In contrast to the forward-looking growth that takes place in time, our Lord reminds us of the equally important stability that is the life of eternity, that innocence and purity of heart of which the child is the perfect image. And so Christian life is not made up of merely of phases through which we pass. 
In any event, all the stages, levels, or dimensions are involved and active in our lives constantly, just as all the Church's holy mysteries are constant dynam dynamisms in play and at work within us. We do not, for instance, finish the work of baptism proceed on to chrismation when speaking inadequately and somewhat incorrectly of being at a stage. We are implying that an individual tends to function primary, primarily from within one of these levels. Ideally, all will be integrated as three complementary focal points, and in each of these stages, we will relate to our Father with a child's purity of heart. So, this is kind of talking about the spiritual stages of our life and how we grow from uh, a childhood to adulthood both physically and in our spiritual life because you know uh, we we are different we hopefully our spirituality is different as an adult than it was as a child because you know children think um, differently than adults do and uh, but but at the same time as it said at the end of this chapter um, we have to have that childlike qual qualities of innocence of purity of, of trusting God in all things those are the childlike qualities we have to continue to have our entire life and, and not to uh, pretend that we are better or that we don't need God, but that we are, uh, no, that we don't, uh, that we can live without God, that we can live without God. We can't do that. We have to be totally focused on having God lead us to heaven, Jesus lead us to heaven, because we can't get to heaven ourselves. We, we, <laughs> If we try to do things ourselves, we will fail because the, the devil's temptations are great. The devil's temptations often make people fail to, to have God's um, grace in our hearts. And, and we have to trust and, and give ourselves totally to God. That third stage, you know, I'm just going to go through these, these topics again. So... The different people say, what is the what is the final stage of our spirituality? What stage should we be focusing on and and, and, um, and and trying to get to? So that is proficient, perfection, perfect life, filial love, peace, infused contemplation of God, theologia, theological, Eucharist. So that becoming one with God, becoming one body with Christ Jesus. This is, this is the stage that we need to try to get to all the time. Okay, So I'll be talking more about this in the future. But these are the stages of our growth in spiritual life. God bless you. Have a good day.